some insight as we go through our time together this morning. I'd like to have you turn to the book of Proverbs in the Old Testament, book of Proverbs. And this morning we are going to start a series from the book of Proverbs. So in the next six weeks we'll be looking at various topics on the subjects of, that are, are going to be introduced. Um, we're going to look at subjects like pride versus humility, joy versus anger, diligence versus laziness, wisdom versus foolishness, and today we're going to look at the subject of raising kids, what's involved with Proverbs on the subject of raising kids. Um, how many of you know everything that needs to be known about raising kids? Anybody here? I'm... <laughs> All right. Um, after 34 years of teaching in the classroom and having two kids of our own, and having six grandkids, I can honestly tell you I'm still learning on how to raise kids because I don't know all the answers yet. Um, still don't know. Um, Proverbs, though, teaches us a great deal about the subject of raising kids. For this morning, um, even if you don't have any kids, uh, there are some principles that you can learn from Proverbs that hopefully will be a help to you in sharing with other people, maybe some other kids, maybe kids, about how to live in this day. By the way, today's National Grandparents' Day. Anybody here a grandparent? That's great. Today's, I don't know if you knew that. Today is National Grandparents' Day. And it seems like every time it rolls around, very few people know that, but it's good to be a grandparent. And we have a, re a unique role with grandkids. And I hope you find that to be the case. But once again, this message is for parents and their kids and also for grandkids and for those of you, once again, that may be single moms or you don't, you're married or you're thinking about getting married and you don't have any kids at this moment. I'm trying to include all of you as we work through the matter of raising your kids from Proverbs. Now let me just give you a few areas where it's difficult to raise kids before we go into my first point here, and there's gonna be two of them this morning, but raising kids has never been easy. Any amens from the people at Cornerstone? <laughs> never been easy. Um, and especially though in our day, within our culture. I'm not going to linger on this because I don't want you to get discouraged, but I want you to know that I understand what you're feeling and thinking about these matters because I really do, and I face them so often in counseling people. But in our day, raising kids is especially hard for the parents and also for the kids. And I'm talking about kids versus teenagers because Kids and teenagers are a totally different group. Is that right, teenagers? Right? Yeah, you, you teenagers, you're in a different group than kids. Kids, when I'm talking about kids today, I'm going to be talking about junior high kids. Teenagers are a different breed altogether. 
And then there's some miserable people like the adults. And I have some things to say for you, to you too as well. But it's a difficult day, not only for the adults, for the parents, but also for the teens and the kids themselves. Difficult day. I wouldn't want to, my wife and I talk about this a lot. I would not want to be a teenager today, knowing all the obstacles that they're facing. I think of all the distractions, for instance, from technology. And once again, I'm not going to linger here. All the temptations on the internet, like pornography. All the bullying that goes on on the internet. All the violence that's there. And then the secular humanist educational system where the state overrides the authority of the parent. And since there's no God, the state is going to tell you how to live. This is how you should live. Because God doesn't exist. He hasn't spoken. And since there's no God and he hasn't spoken, we've got ways to tell you how to live. With all the gender confusion. Can you imagine? I can't imagine this. I mean, really. I just picked up a, 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 an article a few days ago. In California, they have some books out that they're giving the kids in school. 16 different genders. Who comes up with this? I mean, really. I mean, who comes up? Who are these people that come up with this thing? 16 different genders. Can you imagine being a little kid? Are you a boy or a girl? I'm not, I'm not sure. Maybe I'm on page 43 here. Whatever page 43 advocates. The whole secular humanist philosophy of life. Um, I was looking at a brief video from Focus on the Family yesterday. And Drew Brees. Anyone know who Drew Brees is? Yeah. Yeah, he's a New Orleans uh, quarterback. Quarterback for a New Orleans. Did you, anyone see that? Anyone see that? Video? Okay, good. And it was amazing. I couldn't believe it. He just wants to have the students to bring your Bible to school day. October 3rd, it is. And all the hate that's leveled against this guy. Because he just wants kids to bring a Bible to school. I mean, think about it. Why would you hate people for bringing the Bible to school? And that's where we're at today. And then there's this whole matter of statistical normalcy. Whatever the polls say must be right. If 51% of the population says this is right, then this must be right because the population said it's right. And then you have the philosophy of life with adultery and marriage, violence and murder. Then the drug epidemic and the emptiness and secularism with a lack of self-esteem. You kids need self-esteem. And yet, who are those kids? Those kids are just pieces of dust in the universe. There is no God. You're just pieces of dust. And you need self-esteem. Well, of course you need self-esteem. If that's all you are, is a piece of dust. If you're not made in the image of God, of course you need self-esteem. And then there's the epidemic of suicide that kids are facing today and adults as well. I just got through at my age taking another course on suicide last year. It's remarkable in a society that has so much and people looking at all of the stuff wanting to commit suicide. 
Well, I don't want to discourage you by lingering there. You see it all the time on the news or in informational pages on the internet. But those are some of the things the kids are facing today and we are facing as adults or even as teens. Now, this morning, I want to give two points on the outline. And you'll see these up here. Um, the first one is we're going to look at the meaning of Proverbs. I'm going to be very quick about this first point. And then our second point, I want to get into some parental um, exhortations about the matter of uh, raising kids from Proverbs. Uh, let, let me go, first of all, into this matter of what the Proverbs are, okay? Uh, so let me go into our first point here on the matter of Proverbs. And you may want to, I'll read it to you also. Not that you can't read, but I'll read it back there. The Proverbs found in Scripture are brief statements filled with knowledge, wisdom, and advice and how to live life in this fallen planet. Right? Um, how to live life in this fallen planet. The world is filled, as you know, with all kinds of dysfunctions. I've just mentioned a few a moment ago. And we all struggled. You should have been here the first hour. I mean, if you can make it to the first hour, not, I don't want to put a guilt trip on you. But if you can make it in the first hour, I think it would be to your advantage. I mean, there were people here sharing all kinds of difficulties that they're going through and they've experienced or are experiencing now. We all groan in this life, don't we? We really do. We look around at the hurricane that was south of us. My two brothers and their families, they, are, they live in Florida, and now they're coming up to God's country here in New York State. They're coming this week and next week and the week after um, because they're going to stick around for a while. But they have their stories to tell. They live in the Orlando area, and the hurricane essentially missed them. But this whole world's groaning because of nature, and Paul makes that clear in Romans chapter 8. The whole world groans. But then you look at Romans 8 and verse 23. 22, he says, the whole, whole, all of nature is groaning. In verse 23, he then says, we ourselves groan. Right? Look, look at you today. I mean, we're a bunch of groaners in this place. Look at us. We are. We groan. Uh, we don't like the situation that we're in. So what about Proverbs in the mix of all this? How does a book like Proverbs found in the Bible help us to live life in, an, in a world where nature groans and we groan? And now I want to get into some procedures with that. So for the next several weeks, we're going to look at Proverbs. Now, let me tell you a few things about Proverbs and then go to our second point. Proverbs can be read in an entire month, one chapter per day. There are 31 chapters. You probably already know that. There's 31 chapters in Proverbs, so you can, unless it's a leap year or a small month, you can take an extra chapter or two, but you can look at, on a given month, where there's 31 days, you can go through Proverbs in one month. But I like to encourage people to take their time going through. It's like eating, eating a good dinner. You should see the salmon dinner that I made the other night. Oh, you would have loved to have been there. Yeah, I love salmon. Anyone love salmon here? Oh, my I got some nice salmon, and I put some ingredients on the salmon that was so good. I baked some potatoes and had some corn and lima beans 
Add some lima beans. Lima beans! How many people lima beans here? Oh, yes, there's a few spiritual people here this morning. Lima beans. Oh, my. Yeah. I'll tell you something. Salmon is so good. So good. And it's just like eating salmon. You know, take your time. Enjoy the morsel. Really, just enjoy it. And when you read Proverbs, take your time. You don't have to rush. That's one reason why I don't like going through it one chapter a day because there's so much in it. Just take your time. Enjoy the salmon. Just kick back and enjoy the verse or two. You can take one proverb a day, memorize it, meditate on it, put it on a three-by-five card, and think through it. You may also want to circle verses. That's what I do in my Bible. I circle verses that I think the Lord has been teaching me. And then I leave verses out that I say to the Lord, Lord, you haven't been teaching me this yet. I don't really know this one. But you've been teaching me these others. So Lord, I, I, want, you to, I want you to teach me your word, but you've been teaching me so much. Look at all the verses I've got circled. But Lord, there's other verses that I need to know as well. And of course, Proverbs teaches us about Jesus. Did you know that? Proverbs teaches us about Jesus. Listen to what Jesus said. These are my words that I spoke while I was with you, that all things which are written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and in the Psalms must be fulfilled. Now, Jesus was mentioning three ways the Old Testament was broken up. The first one was the law of Moses, the second, the prophets, and then the Psalms, which included, from a Jewish perspective, the book of Proverbs. And Jesus said, those things were written about me. That's what he's saying, about himself. So when you look at wisdom from Proverbs, you'll see Jesus. He's the perfection of wisdom. When you see knowledge from Proverbs, Jesus is the perfection of knowledge. When you see patience in Proverbs, you'll see Jesus as the epic or perfection of Proverbs in Proverbs. So Jesus is spoken about in Proverbs. As you study his attributes, you will see him in Proverbs. Okay, you're ready now to go to point two? Okay, here we go. That was point one. Let's look at point two. Now, in point two, I have 17 sub-points, okay? Only seven. I have seven sub-points that I want to go through. So I'm going to give you the first one. As you examine Proverbs, you'll note something here. Um, you're going to see in this point some parental responsibilities for the book of Proverbs in raising our children. I want to give you seven of these. There could be more. In fact, I wrote down more early on in the last few weeks, wrote down others, but because of time we don't have, because this could be easily a few weeks message right here on this topic. The first one is, that I'm going to give you is this. As you look at Proverbs, who does the teaching of the children and the teenagers? Who does the, who does the teaching? You'll see as you read Proverbs, it's the mother and the father whose responsibility it is to teach the children. Now, it's very important. The man is in... You men, listen up here this morning. It is your responsibility, as well as the moms, as well as your wife, to teach the Word of God to your kids. It is your responsibility, <clears throat> as well as the mother's responsibility to teach the kids. And sometimes the kids seem to outsmart us, don't they? 
Really? <clears throat> I think that's true. <clears throat> Sometimes we make mistakes, don't we, parents? I do. I make mistakes. Uh, sometimes I can be too stern with my kids and my grandkids. I can't stay in a dirty house. Anybody here like me? I can't stay in messes on the floor. I'm an OCD person about that. I, you know, there's messes. I got to clean it up. I don't know if it's from my Italian mother or what, but you got to clean up this place. Um, so I really have a problem with that. And sometimes I get too stern about that. The kids come in, the grandkids, six of them, they march in, they aim right for the refrigerator. Don't even ask, don't even say hi. Just go right to the refrigerator. Get, get back in here. Take, what are you going to do with those shoes? Put them away. Put, don't, don't just leave them here on the floor. Sometimes I can be too stern. Sometimes I can be just lackadaisical. Let me give you a story about this. My wife and I, <clears throat> one cold evening, near Christmas time, when our kids were teenagers, were driving down this road, it was nighttime, driving down this road, and the two kids, the two teenagers, in the back seat. Every once in a while I get somewhat impulsive, not often, because I don't have it scheduled. But if, um, if you're like me, I even schedule my impulsivity. But anyway, my, my wife's in the front with me and my kid's in the back, our kids in there just got their driver's license. My daughter just got her driver's license. Son had it a year or two before. And we're driving down the street. It's nighttime, and I thought, hey, you know what? Be nice to park the car right here, right here in the street. And I'm going to say to my wife, let's just dance outside in the cold. So I said to my wife, honey, let's just go out of the car. Get out of the car now, and let's just go dance into this Christmas music. There was some Christmas music on I thought, boy, this would be great, go out and dance. So she did, and the kids are in the backseat going, Dad, don't, it's embarrassing. I mean, Dad, of all things you have to do is dance outside in the street. I mean, I said to him, listen, who's looking? It's nighttime. Nobody's here. We're okay. We're doing all right. So Betty gets out of the car. I get, I get out of the car and left the window down a little bit where the kids wouldn't freeze too much. And get out of the car, and I start dancing to Christmas music. Oh, it was really romantic. And all at once, I left the keys in the car. All at once, the car's going down the street. <laughs> and it's my daughter. She's taking the car. And she took the car. And my wife and I are stranded out there in the street. Um, and, and I'm so embarrassed about it. You know, I'm thinking, oh, they got to come back soon. And they did, which was, I'm glad for that. But you see, I couldn't trust them. I thought I could trust them in the back. Two teenagers, I could trust them. can't trust teenagers. You never, you never know what's going to happen. They just took the car. So sometimes we feel that way. Sometimes we feel like we're too stern. Sometimes we're a little lax. I felt at that point it was a little lax. I should have known better. Don't, give the, don't, let the, don't keep the keys in the car with the two teenagers. So, but both mother and father are responsible in teaching, teaching children. That's our first one here. Let's go to a few verses of Scripture. Now, each, each particular subpoint, I've got some Proverbs. So let's look at a few of them. Chapter 1, go with me to chapter 1, verse number 8. Now watch this. Our first point, once again, is... Mothers and fathers both are responsible for teaching their children. 
Look at verse 8 of chapter 1. Here, my son, your father's instruction, and do not forsake your mother's teaching. Indeed, they are graceful wreath to your head and ornaments about your neck. Kids! Don't forget to listen to your mother and father when they teach you the word. Your parents are given to you by God to teach you the scriptures. And you parents, include myself as a grandparent, were responsible to teach the children and grandchildren the word of God. You're responsible. But you listen, you youngsters here this morning, you're responsible to listen to the parents teach the word of God. Okay? That's your job. Your job is to listen to your parents. Your job is to listen to what they have to say. Are you, are you youngsters listening to me? Yeah? Yeah, that's your job. Your job is to listen today, okay? When your parents talk to you about the Bible. And we see this also in chapter 28, verse 24. Let's go to chapter 6, though. I want to show you one more verse. Chapter 6, verse 20 and 21. My son, observe the commandments of your father and do not forsake the teaching of your mother. You see what's going on here? You've got the mother and you've got the father and their teaching and the children's responsibility is not to forsake what they're saying. Okay? Why is that? Because God exists and he's placed the parents over them, over the children. To teach them. Now I know there's abusive parents. I know there's parents who violate all kinds of rules in raising kids. I understand that. And in this setting, Proverbs was given with the assumption that the parents, first of all, knew God and were going to follow him in raising kids. And because of that, Solomon says in this section here, um, listen, you children, listen to the commandment of your father. And don't forsake your mother's instruction. So children, you've got a responsibility. Are you listening to me? Your responsibility is to listen to your parents, teach you the scriptures. And you parents, single moms, single dads, parents, married parents with kids, grandparents, our job is to teach the kids the teens, the Word of God. You say, well, you know what? My kids are all grown up now. They left the house and so on. Listen, you can still teach them the Word. You don't have to beat it over their head. But every once in a while, talk to them about the Scriptures. That's still your job and my job. The second point is this. The parents are to encourage and direct their children to seek God for knowledge, wisdom, and understanding. Let's go to Proverbs 2. I want you to see this. The, ch the parents are to give some instruction in knowledge, wisdom, and understanding. Look at chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. My son, if you receive my words and treasure my commands within you, make your ear attentive to wisdom, incline your heart to understanding. For if you cry for discernment, oh, listen to this. Listen to the verb here. Oh, Lord, I really want to learn. If you cry for discernment, 
If you lift up your voice for understanding, Lord, I want to really understand how to raise the kids. Really want to understand, Lord, how to raise my kids. If you seek her as silver and search for her as hidden treasures, then you will discern the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. He stores up wisdom for the upright. He's a shield to those who walk in integrity. The parents are the ones who are to direct their children to seek knowledge from God. You parents here this morning, that's what your job is. That's what my job is as a grandparent, to get the grandkids and get the kids to seek the word, to seek knowledge from God. I often tell parents and students, understand this. If you're an A student, I think everybody should be an A student, but if you're an A student and you don't know how to get along with God or people, you're going to have a lot more problems than a C student who knows how to walk with God and get along with people. Did you hear that? That's so important. I'm going to read it. I'm going to give it to you again because I see it all the time. Listen to me. Ready? If you're an A student and you don't know how to walk with God and you don't know how to get along with people, I'd rather have you be a C student who knows how to walk with God and get along with people because those type people are not going to have problems like the A, A, A person, right? I mean, how many people have come up to you since you graduated from school and asked you about your grades? Not, not many, right? Maybe if employment may look at it for two minutes and that's about it. What's most important is your walk with God. Kids, you're the parent, you're the grandparent. I want you to do well. I want you to get A's, A's and B's, okay? I want you to do well. But I want you to walk with God. And I want you to learn how to get along with people. Because you know this from work, right? There's some people, they're smart, but they're stupid at the same time. They don't know how, they don't know how to deal with people, right? You've seen them, right? In your own family, you got people like that. Boy, they're real intelligent people. But they're walking around the house barking at everybody. You, know, you don't need people. They just don't get it. They just don't get it. The parent's job is to teach them to seek God and to seek how to learn about other people. And that's why, listen to this, that's why the New Testament, for instance, the letters in the Old Testament, like Galatians, Ephesians, Colossians, talks about doctrine, teaching, and then the last section talks about how to get along with people. Did you ever notice that? You look at the New Testament letters, that's what you have. You have, you have doctrines being as well. These are the teaching lessons that Paul, for instance, has explained. And then here's how to get along with people. The last few chapters, he deals with those things. Okay, that's number two. Number three, ready? Listen to this one, because I think it's so significant in Scripture. Instruct your boys to stay away from wild women. I didn't know how else to say it. Um, instruct your boys. You got boys? You got boys? Stay away from wild women, because they're out there, right? And you women who know who the wild women are, usually the guys don't know it. You know, they... They really don't know it. you got to help guys to understand. You women, really, I'm not kidding you when I say this. You women have to help other, or you have to help men to know who the wild women are because guys a lot of times don't get it. They look at a woman and go, wow, she's really, she's a wild woman. She's a wild woman. Stay away from this woman. She's a wild woman. 
And you see this in Proverbs in chapter 5 and in chapter 7. You see, Hollywood boasts in the wild women. <laughs> they really do. I mean, these people, they don't know how to write a check. They don't know how to cook. I mean, they don't know how to get along with people. But Hollywood puts them right up on these shelves. But they're wild women. Well, what's Solomon talking about here? Um, look at chapter 5. I want to show you this in chapter 5. The wild women are found, especially in, in chapter 5 and in chapter 7. They're found other places in Proverbs, but they're found in these two chapters. Look at chapter 5. I'm just going to read a few uh, verses to you here. My son, give attention to wisdom. Incline your ear to understanding that you may observe direction, discretion, and your lips may reserve knowledge for the lips of adulterous drip honey, and smoother than oil is her speech. Note the speech. See, the guys, listen to this. You women know this, right? Guys are attracted by what you say to them. Oh, you're such a handsome man. Guy goes, man, that's just really something. Yes, well, yes, well. And the other women are looking at this woman and they're going, she's a wild woman. She's a wild, she's a stay away, stay away from this wild woman. Watch them. Verse three, for the lips of an adulteress drip honey, smooth and oil speech, but in the end she's bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Note how mean she is. Her feet go down to death. Her steps take hold of Sheol. She does not ponder the, see, she doesn't think. She doesn't ponder the path of life. Her ways are unstable. She does not know it. Verse 7, now then, my son, listen to me. Listen. Do not depart from the words of my mouth. Keep your way far from her. Don't go near the door of her house. Don't go near the door of her house. Why? She's a wild woman. Don't go there. You're going to end up with a mean woman. You don't need to be in a mean woman. I asked the guys in, in, uh, in class, I talked to them about this, what kind of a woman are you wanting to date? Are you wanting to date a wise woman or a foolish woman, a wild woman? Now, listen to this. You parents, you need to ask your kids that. You need to ask the, the boy, because the boys don't get it, I understand, since I'm a boy and I've never been a girl. So listen to this. Um, you got parents, you've got to tell the boys in, the, in your house, are you dating a wild woman? Are you dating? You got your parents, this is your job. You got to talk to them. Your grandparents, you got something to do this week. You got a grandkid walking around. You see, if it's a boy, grandson walking around, he doesn't know. He doesn't know anything to say. Listen, go up to him and go, hey, are you dating a wild woman? You got to tell them to stay away from these wild women. Okay? You understand what I'm saying here? You understand what Solomon is saying? And in, in relationship to that, you need to be telling them um, not only to stay away from the wise woman, but go to the godly woman, the wise woman, like in Proverbs 31. You know the chapter. I'm not going to get into it. It's a great chapter. There are 17 to 18 different characteristics of a, a good woman. That's the kind of woman you want, a good woman. There's like 17, 18 good characteristics of a godly woman. That's the kind of woman you want that's found in Proverbs 31. You parents have to tell the boys this because the boys don't get it, right? I, I mean, I, when I speak in chapel or speak in class, I go, boys, do you get it? They don't get it. I, I mean, really, they don't get it. And I didn't get it either when I was in high school and in college. I, you know, you're married, you're going to get married to some girl? Yeah, I know. What, what kind of girl? I don't know what kind of girl. You know, guys don't get it. Let me just put a little note here. Beware of blue jays. Do you see that? 
uh, I've done some uh, research. I like watching birds at times. And did you ever watch blue jays? Anyone here watch blue jays? Blue jays are so beautiful, but they're mean. I mean, they're mean. So listen, listen, boys. And listen, you listen here? Stay away from blue jays. My grandsons, you know what I told them a few days ago? All three of them. I have three grandsons, three granddaughters. I looked at the grandboys and I said this. Stay away from blue jays. They said, what in the world are you talking about? I know, you don't get it, you're a boy. So, stay away from blue jays. And then I explained to them a blue jay. A blue jay is a beautiful bird, but they're mean. Do you know blue jays will eat other birds? They come from the, they come from the, uh, the, uh, the family of birds that eat other birds. Blackbirds. I mean, they will eat other birds. They are mean. They'll kick other birds out of the nest. They get some food. They'll get mean. They'll push them right away. I was watching videos this week on blue jays. Listen, parents, listen, this is your responsibility. Your responsibility, like mine, and grandparents, stay away from blue jays. Boys, stay. You listening to me, boys? You you guys not married yet? Stay away from blue jays. You don't need that. Someone that's mean, pushes people around, they eat up other birds. I'm not sure if this definitely applies to women, but stay away from her. She may be pretty, but is she a blue jay? All right, number four. You ready for number four? Here's number four. Stay away from mannequins. Now I gotta address, I wanna address the daughters now. Stay away from mannequins. Um, and we'll see this. I'm going to read the verses. I'm going to give you an illustration of what I mean. I think I've given this to you before, but just in case you haven't heard it, I'm going to give it to you again. Let's go to Proverbs 12, verse 15. Proverbs 12, verse 15. Stay away from... Girls, listen to this. You ready? If you've been married before and you're divorced right now, um, or, if, or things haven't worked out in your dating relationship... Don't go after mannequins. Don't go after men who are like mannequins. Look at this text here, verse 15. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man is a person who listens to counsel. Now here's this, and I'll give you the mannequin illustration in a moment, but here's this man, he doesn't listen to advice. You're going to date this guy, right? And then you need to inquire if you're dating this guy. Does he listen to anybody besides himself? Does this, does this guy, I have three granddaughters, and I've given them the speech already, and I hope they do it. But if they don't, I, I'll, I just hope they, do, they will. And I tell them, don't marry mannequins. But the second thing I tell them is this, don't marry someone who thinks he knows it all. Right? You girls can help me out here, right? You don't need someone like that. You don't need someone who doesn't listen to counsel, doesn't listen to advice from the parents. See, here's a question I would ask if my daughter was dating again uh, before she got married. Here's a question I would ask her. Does this guy listen to his parents? Does he have respect for his mother and father? This guy that you're dating, this guy, you know? Does he respect his parents? Because, and I keep telling boys all the time, the way you treat your mother is going to be the way you treat your wife. Have you seen that so? The way you treat your mother, and this is general principle, is going to be the way you treat your wife. So make sure this guy treats his mother, you know, just maybe wise. 
He shows disrespect to the mother. You go like this. It's nice knowing you, Joey, but I've got to go until you, until you grow <laughs> Until you grow up, until you grow up. Joey, when you grow up, then maybe we can date after that. But until you start respecting your mother, I'm not, I'm not. I know you're good looking. Look at your hair, Joey. Oh, I know it's so nice. Look, look at the broad shoulders you got. I know all that, Joey. But until you grow up, I'm not dating you anymore. And I'm just not going to do it. Give me the mannequin story now, right? My granddaughter. Hey, did I tell you this before? Granddaughter calls me up. She's 14 now. She called last year, I think it was. Grandfather, can we go shopping? Well, it's not my favorite thing to do. But when your granddaughter calls, you go, yeah, I guess I better go. So where do you want to go? Well, we'll go someplace. I was like, get in the car and take her. Where are we going? We're going, we're going to um, Old Navy. So we went to Old Navy. Then where do you want to go now? See, guys are so different. You know, you know all this, guys, right? You know, we don't drift around, hunt for stuff. You know, we just get in the store and get out. Where do you want to go now? Well, we want to go to Kohl's. So, okay, we go to Kohl's. I see some mannequins there. And I know, I think I know my granddaughter pretty well. So I go, I start talking to the mannequin. And, and, she's, and she's going like this to me. She's going, no, no, Italian for grandfather. No, no, why are you talking to the mannequin? I said, shh, shh I gotta, I'll tell you in a bit. I got to talk to the mannequin some more. So I'm talking to the mannequin, and the mannequin, the mannequin is not doing anything, of course, so I'm just talking to the mannequin. And then I looked at her and I said, I don't want you to marry a guy like this. <laughs> and she looked at me at 14 or 13 at that point, and she goes, what does that mean? And then I had to explain it to her because she's a girl. So I have to explain it. And I said, I want a guy for you that talks to you and relates to you about your emotions not just some guy who looks like this. You know, I, I'm, not, I'm not interested in you. I want some guy that gets into your life and knows your emotions. Any girl understand that? Does that the guys don't get it because we're guys. We don't get it. But, but you need someone like this. Eva, my granddaughter. Eva, you need someone who talks to you and relates to you, not just looks at you. You're a very pretty girl, but you don't need just somebody who looks at you. Stay away from mannequins. Did you get the illustration? Okay, let's go to the next one, number five. Parents, grandparents, instruct your children and grandchildren to choose their friends wisely. Choose their friends wisely. By the way, important for I had a few other verses too, and you'll find them as you study Proverbs. But point five, choose your friends wisely. Let's go to Proverbs 13, verse 20. I love this verse. Um, listen to the verse. I'm reading from the New American Standard once again. He who walks with wise people, wise men, will be wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. Boy, how many times has this played out every day? You hang around, what's this verse saying? You hang around wise people, and you're going to be wise. And this is even for the adults here this morning. You pal around wise people, and you're going to be wise. You're going to learn from them. Their, their behavior is going to run off on you. You hang around a bunch of fools, and you're going to suffer harm. How many, how, I wonder how many people are in prison today because they have violated this verse. They hung, you know why I'm, why I'm in prison? Because I, I hung around Joey and Billy and Sammy. 
And I'm in prison. Well, what were, what, what were those guys like? They were fools. They were stupid. That's the Hebrew word. They were stupid. They did things in a nonsensical way. They didn't think. They just moved by impulse. The people you pale around are going to influence you. Right? Isn't that right? You've seen this. Our friends model for us behavior. Listen, with that in mind, how much time are you spending on the internet? How much time are you spending on your phone talking to these friends or on Facebook? And I love, I love being on Facebook. And I've had to get off Facebook this year. My daughter and my grandkids have said, why don't you take a fast from Facebook for a while? So I did for about four weeks. But I only can limit myself an hour a day because I could easily get into it and enjoy talking to the people there and so on and then speaking to them about the word and scripture and so on, about the scriptures and so on. But I want you to know something. Those people on Facebook are influencing you. Those people on your phone, are you listening to me? Those people on your phone are influencing you for good or evil. They're either wise people that you're talking to or foolish people that you're talking to. Grandparents, parents, when you're watching TV, listen to this very carefully. You're watching TV and, and the kids are with you. They're sitting on the floor or on the couch, whatever, and, and they're, they're listening to TV that you're watching. And you have the, these people on television and they're murderers and they're, they're selling drugs and they're robbing banks and they're abusing women and children. And, and you say that, what do you say to them? You just watch it, the television, and you turn the station? No, you don't do that. What do you do? You go like this. Don't hang around people like that. See, you're the parent. You're trying to, you see, kids today don't have any direction, right? They don't have any. You're in charge of giving them direction. Don't hang around those people. See the trouble they got in? See the trouble? Kids don't have any direction today. One of my brothers and I were talking yesterday about when we were back in school 100 years ago. And when we would walk through the halls, no one was swearing, taking Jesus' name in vain in a secular school, public school, no one. The public school was like a Christian school. There was a Christian ethic in the culture. No one was swearing, taking Jesus' name in vain, and teachers would never put up with that stuff. Today, I remember going over to the public school not long ago, kids swearing, cursing Jesus, and the teacher's just walking by because they were doing the same thing. And you go, don't pal around those people. Parents, don't, don't let your kids pal around those. You look what it says here. You hang around wise people, you're going to be wise. You hang around stupid people, you're going to suffer harm. Spend time, by the way, with Jesus. I, I, I close this point with this. Spend, he's, he's, he's wise. Of all the people you can spend time with, get alone with Jesus. You know what I'm saying? Take your Bible out and get, get alone somewhere. Listen, listen carefully. You parents, tell your kids, when's the last time you read the Bible, Billy? You know, if, if that's his name. If it's not his name, don't call him Billy. <laughs> but, but, Billy, are you reading Scripture? Reading the Gospel? See, parents, that's your job. Your job's not to come here, listen to a preacher, and then go home. Billy, are you reading the Word? Seek Jesus. And you, parent, need to seek Jesus as well. All right, ready for number six. I'll move through here now. Once again, there are other subjects like anger, lazy people, finances. 
Wes is going to deal with laziness, I think, in a few weeks. And other people are going to deal with a matter of anger and then finance. Hopefully somebody deals with finance, a big problem today. And our kids. Okay, number six, parent and grandparents. Teach your kids the need to learn discipline. Wow, I could spend a whole message on this one. I remember coaching, and I've told you this before, I've coached a number of sports, but in, in school, public school and, and, and Christian schools. But I'll tell you, discipline is lacking in a lot of kids today. I mean, they don't have a sense. I'll tell you where it starts, right in the home. The, the, I mean, I'll be honest with you, the, they've never learned how to be disciplined in the home. Structure, that's what I'm talking about, structure. They don't know what time is when, when do they just drift around. And today it's worse, right? What, Right, I don't want to linger on this, don't want to make you discouraged, but today it's worse with the phones. You can't even talk to the kids because they're on the phones all the time. They've got the screen in front of them. And, hey, I'm here, except one thing. It's time for lunch. Oh, man, I'm coming. I'm going to lunch. I've got to eat something. Oh, yeah, and then right after lunch, they're back there. <laughs> they're back there. You see, if I was a teenager, I'd probably be the same way. I, I'd have to admit, I'd probably be the same way. But your parents, see, your parents, you go like this. Now I'm at now. Did you read your Bible today? You see how they're getting tired of that. Did you read your Bible today? You need to learn structure. You need to learn discipline. Just a few verses. Let's go to chapter 12. I want you to see this in chapter 12, verse 1. Look at this one. Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge or instruction, but he who hates reproof is stupid. Do you love discipline? Do you love structure? What time are you getting up? What time are you going to bed? Lunch is this time. Lunch is on every hour of the day. Lunch is this time. Supper. You see, you're teaching discipline. Why is that? Because when they get married, hopefully they'll have a disciplined lifestyle. Because if they don't, they're going to have a chaotic house, right? How many of them lived in a I know I, I did. My testimony is coming out of a chaotic house. Anyone else live in a chaotic My father was, yeah, I, my father was an alcoholic, beat my mother up a lot. Chairs. I mean, I can, I can still see this. Chairs flying. Knives being thrown at each other. I'm not embellishing that to make, you, to make you say, well, that's really something. That actually went on. It's still encased into my brain. That is sad. Sad scenes. Yeah, and thank God for Jesus who rescued me from that, and my brothers, and my father eventually became a Christian, and my mother too. My grandmother, the first one in the family, right after we were converted, went to see my grandma, my Italian grandmother, she's about this tall. And the first thing she said to me, right after we were converted, and she loved Jesus, she looked at me, she said, you want some wine? I said, yeah, <laughs> I have a little wine with you. So we had some wine together, and then she got on her knees, and she just thanked God. It's a beautiful thing to see. See this Italian grandmother. Just thank the Lord. Seek discipline. Oh, there's all kinds of verses in Proverbs. I'm not going to linger with them. On seeking discipline, seeking structure. You need it in your house. Last one. Ready for the, or the, ready for the last one? Oh, by the way, structure brings security to kids. I don't know if you knew this. You're going, anyone on the Bay Bridge, you know what I'm talking about, the Bay Bridge? Yeah, or going on a bridge with sides. If you take the sides off of the bridge, what does it make you feel? It makes me feel a little insecure. 
doesn't you? So they put these sides up on the bridge, the railings, hopefully to make you feel a little secure, but hopefully so you won't go off. And that's what discipline is. Discipline is this. Listen, you need discipline because discipline brings security. When you don't have discipline, the kids run all over the place. They, don't, they feel insecure. Now, I know you can go extreme with discipline, and that's not what the Bible's talking about, but you have to have structure. So here's the last point. Teach your kids and grandkids that they need to fear God because that is seen in the Bible throughout. Over 700 times the, word, the words fear God is mentioned. That's a lot of times, 700 times. 17 times in, in Proverbs it's found. Fear God. One after another. Look, look at Proverbs 1. I'll just go to one. You'll see a number of them. There's 17 of them here, but I just want to look at one of them. Proverbs 1.7. Let's turn there. Listen to this verse. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Can you imagine if that verse was placed on every public school in America? Look at this. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Can you imagine, parent, if you would say this to your kid, you know what you, you, know what you need to do and what I need to do, kid? And teenager, you know what we need to We need to fear God. What does that mean? It means to see him as powerfully awesome. He's the creator, so powerful to create the entire universe. He's majestic, and we need to... We need to highly respect him. And that's gone today. And we're suffering for it because of it. And over and over and over again, 17 times in Proverbs, the writers of Proverbs advocate that we would fear God. Okay, ready? Here's the last thing, conclusions. Then we're done. I've got to go home and make dinner. Here's conclusions. Here's three things you can do. I'm not going to linger on these. Here are three things you can do this week to help with this. The first one is this. If you're going to teach your kids Proverbs, you have to know what Proverbs is, or are, sorry. If you're going to, if you're going to, so parent and grandparent, study Proverbs, and then pass it out to the kids. Okay, that's number one. The second is this. Look for teachable moments during the day. Once again, as you're watching TV, as you're walking at the mall, as you're walking through the woods, take those times to take Proverbs and apply it to the hearts of the kids. Here's the last one. Use Proverbs at mealtimes. I, I find this so helpful. Before they put their, those boys, before the, they put their forks in the food, get your, get your hand, get your hand out of that, but all those potatoes. I know they look good, but I, grandfather wants to read a verse from Proverbs. So then I read a verse and then we pray. You can do that at home. I mean, it's, you, have to have, you have to have a PhD to do this. Just open your Bible and read a verse to the kids. Maybe you could do that today. Maybe you could read a verse from Proverbs today. And if you don't have any kids, practice on your boyfriend, girlfriend. If you don't have any kids, practice with a friend, okay, that you may have. All right, let's stop. Teaching your kids from the book of Proverbs. God has left you a manual, you know, and it's found in scripture. Hey, by the way, let me do this. Oh, I told you I was going to quit, and I'm not going to. Some books. I always like books. My friends. These are my friends. I have them up my study. Ted Tripp's book, Shepherding a Child's Heart. Excellent text, especially on real younger kids. 
he deals with teenagers, but especially on real younger kids. Shepherding a child's heart. Next one by James Dobson. Preparing for adolescence. This has been a long time best uh, text on raising kids. Preparing for adolescence. All right, by Dobson. Here's another one. Um, age of opportunity. This is one of the texts that I used in my family life class at school. Age of opportunity, dealing with teenagers. That's what this one's about. By Paul Tripp, that's Ted Tripp's brother. And then here's a great text on Proverbs by Charles Bridges. He wrote back in the 1800s, uh, born in the 1700s, last four years of the 1700s. But he wrote this in the 1800s. Charles Bridges, if you get anything by him, it's excellent. He, um, and this book on Proverbs is superb. So you may want to check those books sometime out too. Okay, let's pray together. I'll let you go home, okay? We'll get out of here. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for giving us the book of Proverbs. And I pray, Father, for Cornerstone, that as we go through this particular series, that your spirit would bring encouragement and edification to the people. I pray for these dear people that have come today. Father, may they get alone with the word, with Proverbs, and you teach them. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Yo, I'm sorry. Yeah, and I have to get home because I've got my chicken thighs ready to go. That's what we're having today. So, <laughs> anyway, thanks, John. Yeah, sorry. You want to pray? Amen. Next time you have a meal, make sure you let me know before I come because I had all my stuff out. Yeah, so next time I'll be glad to stay. <laughs>